Welcome to the Built on Purpose podcast, where on each episode, we interview exceptional leaders, entrepreneurs, authors, philosophers, and some straight up interesting people to explore their outlook on life, work, and leadership. And now, here's your host, CEO and co-founder of Scouts, Max Hansen. Welcome back to episode 79 of the Built on Purpose podcast brought to you by Scouts. I'm your host, Max Hansen, the CEO of Scouts, where we find purpose aligned and performance proven leaders. As many of you know, Scouts takes a lot of pride in being named one of the healthiest employers year after year. And today we get to dive right into the topic of corporate wellness and beyond. Imagine if I told you through a simple scientific assessment of your body's measurements taken with a simple soft tape measure, family history, assessment of your lifestyle and environment that somebody could optimize your health and happiness by telling you the following, what you should eat, when you should eat, when you should sleep, when you should exercise, how you should exercise, how you should work, where you should live, and a couple other things that we'll get into. You don't have to imagine this anymore because this currently exists. Today, our guest is Dr. Cam McDonald, COO and VP of Education of Shea Wellness, Uh, Dr. Cam is also the CEO of PH360, which I believe is a technology tool used by Shea Wellness. We'll unpack that in a minute. But Dr. Cam, welcome to the Built on Purpose podcast. It's so great to be here with you, Max. It's um, really excited to be talking to you today. Awesome. Well, first off, are you okay with me uh, calling you Dr. Cam? I don't know why, but that always came naturally when I first saw your name. I'm sure a lot of people call you Dr. McDonald. Some people probably call you Cam. For some reason, I feel comfortable calling you Dr. Cam. Is that okay? Yeah, I think... uh... Some people just like like throwing the doctor on there. That's all good. Um, but often it's it's Doctor Cam if it's anything or Cam. Uh, the the Doctor McDonald doesn't get too much run these days. That's more my my dad. Doctor Cam is good. <laughs> okay, I don't know why, but when I first met you uh, and after all the work you're doing, I think Doctor Cam feels appropriate. So um, <laughs> first off, can you explain? Because as I was looking this up to to you know kind of give a short you know bio of who you are, and we'll get into more of that. But can you help me unpack your association with, with Shea Wellness? Because I see you're the COO in a profile. You're also the VP of Education. And then also yep. PH360 and the interplay between the two. It looked like to me that you were the CEO of PH360 and somehow incorporated into Shea, Shea Wellness. But can you explain how the, the yeah. they're incorporated? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we have – so the the, the – the core sort of parent um, of our organization is essentially it gone through a name change. It's called Shea.ai or Shay, S-H-A-E. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it essentially represents the technological and scientific insights that we've been developing for the last 20 years. That's where the intelligence of the whole organization sits, where the AI does its magic. And then from that, there's a number of verticals where this information is then used. So uh, there's the health professional education. And that's now been rebranded as the Precision Health Alliance. That was known as PH360 Australia. Um, but the Precision Health Alliance is where we educate precision medicine doctors right through to wellness coaches in precision health. Um, I'm the CEO of that organization. So I've had a lot to do with the, the development and, and education of health professionals globally over the last uh, decade or so. And then uh, there's a corporate application, which is how we found each other. And essentially, it's called Shea Wellness, and this is about how we can take these insights into how we're different and how we can optimize ourselves into the workplace to understand ourselves better, understand each other. Um, then we have Personalized Learning 360, we have Parenting 360, we have Shea Fit, which is for the gyms. 
So we have schools, parents, and gyms that all have their own verticals as well. And I have a an educational role with those. But for Shea Wellness, the corporate space, I'd very much head up the education of the science, education of the application, uh, just with my my health professional background as a dietitian, an exercise physiologist, and a, a PhD from University of Queensland uh, in that in that same area. Um, I get around and do a fair bit of the education on the science in general. Awesome, awesome. Well, thank you for helping with that. I was struggling. I'm like, man, we spent a lot of time on the phone together, but I've never asked exactly because you're so humble and you're you know such a servant type of person. I think we just got right to it and started talking about how the program works, how it can help us and, and potentially our other clients. And just so our audience yeah. knows, uh, we were introduced by one of our clients that we helped fill uh, some C-level roles for. It's called Versus, which uh, they're building the spatial uh, internet, a spatial web, which is going to be, it's going to change the world. And in changing the world, they want to do it in a purpose and values driven way. So I will give credit to them that they have chosen Shea uh, Wellness to partner with them to make sure that they are doing their best in uh, helping their employees lead the healthiest lives they can. And so that's kind of how we were uh, brought together, uh, uh, Dr. Cam and I. And so, and in addition to that, the way we thought this would, uh, we could kind of best get him on the podcast was to take me through uh, the initial assessments and the initial coaching, which he was gracious enough to do. And I can report back, we haven't really got into detail. There, all the insights that we talked about have really been helping me, uh, you know, kind of take my uh, health and wellness to the next level. Um, I'm feeling great. Um, getting over COVID, I think when we talked, I was just getting over COVID too. Um, but let's talk about shitty wellness from what I read, and then I'll have you kind of unpack and, and maybe help me uh, describe it. But Shea sure, Wellness sure. is the, the world's first epigenetic data tracking platform for corporate health and wellness programming. The platform uses over 500 algorithms and 10,000 data points per user to analyze the body measurements and lifestyle stress data. From this data, the users are presented with simple, customized lifestyle and wellness recommendations through the friendly app, SHEA, which I believe stands for, and correct me if I'm wrong, Smart Health Assistance Experience. Is that right? You got it right. That's perfect. All right. Well, I'm going to let you take over a little bit. Uh, Give us, in a layman's terms, an overview of the science used by you and your team for the program. Sure. So uh, this all started in, in around about the year 2000 when we'd finished mapping, not, not us personally, but the, the world scientists had finished mapping the, the gene, the genetic or the genome. Um, we, we understood and we thought it was really going to be the change in health everyone was looking for is if we understand genetics, we understand everything. But that's not the case because genes they turn on and off and they're dynamic in the way that they activate. And essentially, we set out on a mission to eliminate chronic disease and pain by the year 2050. That's that's our goal. That's what we're still working towards. And in order to do that, you have to recognize that everybody is different. So you know it very obviously that what the person next to you is different. Like We, we know that. However, when it comes to when you both walk into a gym together and you say, I want to lose weight, you, you get a completely different program. Uh, when you say, oh, I want to get the most out of my work, someone says, oh, you should definitely use the 25 and 5 method. But that's not suitable for everybody because brains are different as well. And so we wanted to understand what makes us different. Um, and so we started taking an enormous amount of uh, data and, and, and really deep diving in the understanding of, of how we are different in a meaningful way. 
we were looking at genetics, we were looking at hormones, we were looking at how the body forms right, right back to embryological times. So how the embryology actually influences our growth and our size and shape of our body now. Uh, we look at things like hair color, eye color, skin tone and genetic lineage and family history of disease, personal history of disease. And we took all of that data together to say, right, and that's where a technology is so brilliant is that you can crunch a whole lot of data a lot faster than you otherwise would. And so from that, we've been able to develop some really, really impressive algorithms, as you mentioned, that allow us to now take some simple measures and and, and very soon to be, and in fact, we're doing this in corporate world right now, we can just take a photo and the machine learning, the convolutional neural networks can actually look at that photo, take the measurements that we need that we've then validated against gene markers and hormones. Uh, we're then able to do a, a quick questionnaire uh, all within the smartphone and understand not just how a body has developed from the womb, which has a, a particularly pr- profound effect on, on your whole life, but also what's been happening over the last six months, three weeks based on the symptomology that we collect too. So what that means is that we get an understanding of how your body has developed, the hormones that have shaped you, the dominant genes that have played out in your body uh, to make you develop the way that you have right now. That tells us your predispositions and we also get an understanding of your current state of health. So then we can say, right, we know where this body has come from. We know what kind of state this body is in right now. And because we're using all of these markers that are mapping back to all of the genes, we're able to understand what's the best foods for this individual based on their nutrigenomics, but on their gene expression and their stress levels. What is the best time for them to eat? What's the best, uh, what, what's the best type of exercise for them and what time should that exercise occur? Because different people, whether you're an early bird or a night owl or a, a punctual pigeon in the middle, as I like to call it, different stresses are tolerated at different times of day and and this is when it really flows into workspace because we can understand that someone really loves, you know, getting energized and getting through lots of work first thing in the morning, whereas somebody else doesn't want to talk to anybody until 10 o'clock and after they've had their second coffee because their brain's just waking up. And we think that that's a problem, but for them, it's completely normal and it is completely normal. It's a normal variation. And so we're then able to understand, you know, is a person going to do better in hot, humid, cold, whatever it may be. So... With an understanding of how you've developed, an understanding of where you're at now with markers that are relevant to stress and health, we can then get incredibly specific down to you know, the type of vegetable, the timing of that cardio, the, the best time for you to focus on your work, the best time for you to meditate. Um, and this all comes in, a, in an application and it, it populates itself in around about 20 minutes from the start of the process once you get going. So um, it's, a, it's definitely leading the way in how we understand how people work and what can be done about it. And we've been using this in practice now for the last decade with incredible results, um, both in the health professional land, but also in the corporate space with reducing mental health and really helping people understand each other as well, which we, we can jump into some of that stuff a bit later on. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I thought you might've told me I read it somewhere. So correct me if I'm wrong, but I think one of the other goals uh, of your program was for employers to offer it to their teams to essentially uh, get them feeling as good at the end of the day once they've worked a complete day as the beginning. Am I close to kind of what the one of the goals of the yeah. program is? Yeah, our, our tagline is to uh, have people 
um, leave work healthier than when they arrived. Mm-hmm. So work can be a place that has a particularly positive influence on you. And there's a, a number of physical and, and psychological things that if you get that right, uh, it happens it, very, very easily. Yeah. Do you want to expand on that a little bit further? <laughs> yeah, please. Yeah, yeah. So the, um, I mean, very simply, you've got, um, let's say that uh, you've got a person who's doing exercise in the morning, but they're a night owl. If they switch their training to the afternoon or sometimes even just go for a gentle walk instead of a really high intensity workout first thing in the morning, we actually see in, in many cases, they get half their day back of energy. Sometimes doing exercise at the wrong time can really drain your energy levels and leave you tapping out when if you're just positioned that exercise at a later time of day, you've, you've now got energy that, that racks up all day long. And, and this is to do with cortisol levels and the way that stress works in your body. The same thing goes for even very specific foods. So we can talk about that physical component of things with, with teams. But then a large part of it as well is if someone is, we know that people are, are tend to be competitive. Some people tend to be really direct and logical. Other people tend to be really nurturing and protective. Um, sorry, Siri's just playing in the background there. Um, the, we know that because of those differences, people naturally are seeking competition if they're naturally competitive and it's to do with testosterone levels, for example. And so, um, if we can encourage that person and celebrate their competitiveness, they get to leave work or be at work knowing that they can just be themselves. They go, Oh, this feels really good. I'm being competitive. I love being competitive and I'm being encouraged to be competitive. Whereas my last workplace, they told me I wasn't allowed to be so competitive and it was really annoying some of the people. But if, if you know that you've got a competitive person there and you, you actually give them competition, they feel a lot more in flow. Whereas if you do that same competition with that very nurturing person, they get really turned off by it. It's like, no, no, I just want to make sure everybody else is okay. But if you can really celebrate the nurturing in that person, which happens through hormones like prolactin and uh, growth hormone that are higher in bodies like that, and you're able to make them feel great for who they are and their natural impulses. These are things that they aren't learning as a child, but rather they are, it's built into their biology. There's a, an incredible unconscious satisfaction that occurs from people being celebrated for who they are. And it's amazing what happens to their day and how uplifted they feel and how energized they are. And so it is both the understanding of physical, but it's also if we understand a person's biological impulse for behavior and we know that you know, uh, behaviors are driven at least half by genetics alone. So things that you don't learn, but just are built in. Um, if you're able to celebrate those components, people can feel comfortable literally in their own skin. And this makes a significant difference to just the way people travel through their day generally. So um, it, that particular piece has been really, really powerful and makes this work incredibly meaningful. Absolutely. Absolutely. Do you think how uh, how of the how has this not spread across the United States faster? I'm just thinking like I'm very interested in this, and it took ten years for me to learn about you and your company. Uh, how much do you think being in Australia with a different healthcare system played into you guys getting on this program sooner? I guess, or in a different way than maybe somebody in the United States. Yeah, that's a good question. I'd say probably that's mostly due to the core team. Um, so when the, when we actually started, we launched in the States and we actually got quite a lot of press over there right then. Uh, this was sort of eight, nine years ago. But then, uh, our, our global CEO, Matt Riemann, he's a, um, he's Oz, he's an Aussie. Our chief medical officer is Italian. And the way that it worked is 
Um, I I came on as sort of the, the lead health professional, which is where a lot of the applications started um, and was testing and trialing it. And from there, we actually built a core team that developed the health professional education side of things. From there, we also developed the corporate side of things. So we actually have uh, a lot of health professionals out in Australia and New Zealand. We have a, a large amount of the corporations that we're working with in Australia, um, but but they're starting to expand now internationally. So it's been a bit of a, a closed circuit in Australia, New Zealand, while we've been looking at, at sort of bigger plays throughout the States, but they're, they're, they're longer conversations. And so now like what's really exciting um, versus sort of represents the first of many organizations that we're going to be working with in the States. And it's, it's, uh, it's incredible to see how the organization and the technology and the resources have matured and, uh, now is is really where we know that we've got a product that really really works. We've we've nutted all the kinks. Um, we, we we really know how to deliver it so that people are going to get the most value. So it's a it's a good time to be hearing about it right now. That's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and what has blown my mind is um, I think it meets everybody where they're at. Um, you know, I've always my my view, right or wrong, on you know corporate wellness has always been. And I've gotten a lot more comfortable in this as I've gotten older is I believe as a leader, it's our responsibility when we're running a business to make sure that we're uh, getting our teams, people on our teams, uh, at least at least encouraging them to lead healthier lives. Um, and so it's for me, when I looked at the system and went through the program with you in, a, in our last call, that was amazing. I could I could see how it really is relevant to everybody at, across the spectrum. Meaning, somebody who just needs to change, like when they eat, or maybe you know, if somebody's more advanced and they they kind of maybe are eating the right things, maybe it's just you know, again, changing the times, uh, knowing when you're going to work out. But I was really blown away on the application to every person, regardless of whether or not they are, you know, really into fitness. Um, or really into diet or not. Uh, so for me, that, that kind of blew me away. And, and um, when you guys are taking on corporate engagements, um, what do you guys see from your side, like on how you help maybe, and I'm, I, I hesitate to use this term, but more entry-level people that don't really think about you know health and wellness or health and fitness? Yeah, perfect. So uh, generally, um, there's, as you said, there's a, a number of different entry points that people can make. And in some cases, people aren't ready and, and willing to, to get going on a nutrition and exercise program. Uh, that is something that we've, we've got some good understanding in how we can really support people to do that better. But if they're not ready, for example, to, to really go, like to empty out the fridge and to, uh, to make sure that they've got all of the information or all of the food that they need and based on their profile or that sort of thing and they're not ready for that big change, what we can be guaranteed of is that they're interacting with people every single day. They are, um, they are interacting with themselves psychologically. They are socially and workplace interacting with people. And so those relationships are having an impact on their life. And so when we are going through the process, a big part of the application is how your brain naturally responds to the people in the world around you. So how you can apply your work to decrease your stress, the kind of people that your brain is going to be more aligned with and the ones, that the people that may actually create a little bit more stress for you and why. And so for people who aren't ready to dive in and do the, the fitness side of things, they can actually use the biological 
personality profile, for lack of a better word. This isn't like Myers-Briggs and HBDI. And while those tools have, have uh, some good utility, this is very much, it's not asking questions about psychometrics. It's actually just asking uh, biological, asking for biological data and says, hey, this is the way your behaviors will be shaped. You'll be competitive even if you don't think you're competitive. There's, there'll be an, a natural, innate surge of competitiveness based on the hormones that we can see in your system. And so that awareness can really allow people to enter at the people level to say, oh, hey, okay, I'm going to understand how, I'm going to understand my brain a little bit better. I'm going to understand why I'm getting frustrated at the end of the day, why uh, that particular colleague um, is grading against me. And what we see is that, let's say that we've got a hyper-competitive person and we've got a, um, uh, a, a really sort of passive, non-competitive, I need more time and space type person. This is a dynamic that we see quite a bit. The, the competitive person is ready to go first thing in the morning. They're like, like let's do this. The, uh, the passive person is saying, please just give me time. They have a meeting at eight o'clock in the morning and both of them walk out frustrated. One, because they wanted to start everything and the other person just wanted more time and space to think about it. And it creates tension just because the conversation's being had at the wrong time. And so just the, the initial entry point can just be, oh, people are different in the timing with which I should talk to them. People are different with the way that they communicate. And we provide a lot of education around that. People are different in you know, what's going to create stress for them. This person needs food, but this person actually needs a walk outside. This person needs five minutes of breathing. Okay, it's probably the most important awareness in a workplace is that is that people are different. And when you then take that up to a another level as well, and this is where the leaders can really support this process, it's um, that's where they can be, you know, actually being smart about the type of people that they recruit. They can be thinking about this information when they're putting people into certain roles or when they're even supporting them to manage certain teams of individuals. Um, we know that IT as a, as a group uh, you know, very technical, very logical, very data, very data driven. Uh, and if you have someone who's a, uh, who's very feeling based and, um, likes just chatting for chatting sake, they, they may not gel too well with that team if they're not aware of their differences. Cause one group likes logic, the other group likes, um, lots of chat just for, for no other reason, but for feeling the connection of people. So that first entry point for people who aren't ready to go, they can just go straight into, okay, I know that I'm different. And I can start making some adjustments just to make my life at work a little bit better. And then the app is really set up to say, hey, uh, if you don't want to change all of your food, you could change one recipe from the 25,000 recipes that are optimized for you. You can just change one of your meal timings or you could just change one of the things that you're doing with your exercise. So the way that we support organizations through it, people like you can really just dive in head first or they just treat it like their user manual. And that is, this is the information that's relevant for me. I'm going to work at building this information into my life, but it could take a year or so. And that's fine because if they take a year to sort out their health and then they've got great behaviors for the next 40, that's an incredibly worthwhile uh, use of time. And that's why we like to work with organizations for 12 months, but really 36 months to embed these changes, create consistency and allow them to really realize the benefits of, of everything that we're doing. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah, that is uh, an awesome way to look at how it can help at the most basic levels of how we communicate. You know, one thing that I just pictured, because obviously we do hiring and really evaluating people is imagine this is, you know, one of the, instead of taking a, 
a disk assessment that you're taking this in order to help figuring out. Um, so there, there's probably a lot of applications. I think what surprised me the most going through the process myself is the amount of information that you're able to get from the process of giving you the measurements and asking the questionnaire. The questionnaire was very easy. I don't know how long it took me, but I'm going to say probably less than 15 minutes. Um, and it was, uh, it was amazing. I think the information I get, you know, typically on my side, I have, uh, I get blood, uh, I get blood drawn and they you know go through and show me all my panels and what I'm allergic to and all these things. And I was just amazed on how this, you know, gets you that and then some, uh, through the system. So, um, I, I'm still, you know, really, really surprised and really impressed on, um, you know, on how this, how, uh, how this works. I tried to explain to my wife, by the way, I tried to explain that the embryology that, and I tried to tell her that, and you correct me if I'm wrong and, and you can share this with our audience, but that embryology, the measurement of your head can tell you a lot about that embryology background, right? Is that correct? And, and that's the measurement that really helps you understand how the brain and the head was uh, formed. Is that correct? Uh, it's uh, it's along the right lines, but I'll probably <laughs> throw a bit of flesh on there just to uh, yeah, yeah. the um, essentially with with embryology, if, if you know a, a week or so into development, you form this. It's about sixty four cells is when it starts, and you end up with three layers that are developing as this embryo. And in each layer, just like a department of an of a company, different departments of a company, different different activities are happening. And different organs are developing in these different layers. So you've got the nervous system and the skin that's happening in one layer called the ectoderm. You have all of the muscles, the fat, the ligaments and tendons and the bones, the heart, the reproductive glands. They're all developing in what's called the mesoderm. And then you have the lungs, the kidneys, the pancreas, the thyroid, the digestive organs, the, the, the digestive tract they're developing in your endoderm. And so you've got these three layers developing different organs. Essentially, layer one is for sensory input, the nervous system. Layer two is for movement. That's the heart, the reproductive organs, and the musculoskeletal system. And the layer three is for digestion. So um, in very, very broad terms. So what happens? We don't develop these layers evenly. So some people develop with more... Uh, more energy going into their nervous system, for example. That means there's less going into their musculoskeletal, less going into their digestive. And so as they develop, the hormones that come from layer one are going to be more dominant because that layer is more dominant. And so we end up, it's not just the head circumference, it's actually the head in relation to all other things, but the hormones that are more dominant in that development due to the layer that is more dominant. And another example would be for the mesoderm, you've got the reproductive glands, the heart, the musculoskeletal tissue, testosterone is more dominant in that layer um, because they're the testosterone-sensitive tissues. So if you have a, a slightly more dominant mesoderm, uh, this then makes this person form with a slightly greater influence of testosterone. And so they end up a little bit more competitive because testosterone shapes your brain as it develops. It also uh, changes the length of your femur. So people end up with a shorter femur if they're more sensitive to sex hormones, which people from a dominant layer here do. So they end up with a shorter femur, shorter overall height. They end up with uh, moderate muscle, muscle tissue, but they're more toned. The testosterone sensitivity helps them stay a little bit leaner. So you can see they've got visible musculature. 
Um, and then if you want to look at another little fun marker as well, that the length of your ring finger versus your index finger is associated with testosterone exposure in the womb as well. And if you've got a longer ring finger, um, then it, it means that you've been exposed to a little bit more testosterone embryologically. Whereas if you've got a longer index finger, it's there's a, a greater balance of um, sort of more maternal uh, hormones. Essentially, it makes you more nurturing as opposed to competitive. So pretty much every feature around the body is going to be influenced by the hormonal dominance that comes from embryological development. So it's not just your head circumference. Head circumference is related to growth hormone, uh, and it, but your height is related to growth hormone as well. Um, how you deposit fat around your belly, around your hips is associated with testosterone and estrogen balance. Um, we see that the, the size and shape of your skeleton is related to how much you know, uh, hormones like prolactin, growth hormone, IGF-1 you have, but they're, you know, they're more dominant in the, the endoderm. So I know I'm probably confusing everybody by going through this right now. Essentially, we have three layers. We have a mixture of those layers developing that influences our hormonal development, that influences every size and shape of our body as it develops, and it's predictable. So that when we look at head circumference and jaw length and the thickness of your neck and, and thickness through your trunk, and around your knee joints and foot length, and they're all related to different embryological inputs um, that are that are in turn, you know, determined by hormones and, and genetic activation in the womb as well. So embryology is particularly profound. If we can understand what happened back then, uh, which we can predict now with the the size and shape of the body and a few other factors, we get a real insight into how that body is going to tend to behave and develop over time. No, that that was amazing. Now I have a better way to explain it to my wife at least, but no, that the second time around for me and hopefully our audience will appreciate that. Um, I mean, that's just amazing that uh, over, you know, starting back, I think starting with, um, I think you said uh, there was some Chinese medicine from, was it like the... 1800s where you start getting some of this data that all of a sudden you're stacking it on to learn and to get to this point to realize that you can get all this data from the measurements is that is that it does it date back that far we um when we gathered all of our original 10,000 cases between 2000 and 2010 we had a whole lot of data and as you can imagine um when you've got that much data where do you start testing and so what we knew is that um Chinese medicine, Ayurvedic medicine, they had models that would allow us to test theories with the data that we had. And so, because uh, in China, they still do a lot of research on Chinese medicine, genetics, and and the the, the phenotype of of what they, waste, what they saw in ancient medicine and what they're seeing now. Uh, we tested those models and we said, okay, well, that fits, but that doesn't based on our data. And, oh, that fits, but this doesn't. So we used those models to essentially help us try and understand whole lots of data because they talk about systems. Yeah, and then we compare that against Western medicine as well, which is much more quantified um, and very reductionist, right, right down to each individual molecule. And so it's the combination of those two worlds, essentially where we tested and measured those systems approaches from Chinese medicine. Um, and we said, right, what fits? So uh, in that way, it was used as a tool to help us rationalize a huge data set, which now, you know, 20 years on, AI is able to start doing that, but it still needs the, the right kind of input. Um, and this is, this is where we're really leading the field with understanding those, those very large bits of data and what's actually meaningful. Um, and, but interestingly enough, you know, the, the, the 
study of body shape and disease predisposition. There was actually schools of biotypology in the early 1900s that were looking at how different size and shapes of people were being were presenting to hospital or even presenting to the morgue, and they had people of the similar size and shape were, were presenting with similar diseases. And so back in those days, they actually collected 10,000 people, which is a huge amount of people back then for them. Um, and they were actually looking at how size and shape influences um, the disease that you're likely to have. And it was actually out of biotypology. It was around the time that hormones were starting to be understood, but it was biotypology that really uh, propagated our understanding of hormones because they said, why are people different in their size and shape? And essentially the, um, the answer was, well, there must be something that's internally secreted that changes the shape of these bodies as they develop. And of course, endocrinology literally is, um, you know, in, from the Latin is that the internal secretion of a substance. So biotypology and the understanding of body shape actually led to our understanding of hormones as they are today. Um, so yes, we, we definitely looked at those ancient models. We, we looked at it as a guide. Uh, but then obviously we let the data tell the story. Um, and then we, we really made, made use of the high level of quantification of Western medicine and, that's why we're, we're really doing a lot with precision medicine now and, and really understanding what people need in, in each moment uh, for their best health. Absolutely. And then talk a little bit about uh, your health type. I, I kind of started, to, we went through my health type um, and it, ha- it, it almost felt like to me, it helps take everything you're talking about, all the research and data and everything you're doing to help start to understand it in a more simplistic model of where you're at and why and how that relates to other health types. But there are six health types. Kind of explain how you got it into that model. And I'm making some assumptions, by the way, of, of saying that yeah. hey, this was an easier way to explain it to people that maybe didn't have the medical background or the desire to really understand um, you know, everything that you guys have taken the time and energy and all the testing you've done. But talk a little bit about the health types and how that has uh, culminated from all this information. Yeah, that's cool. So when we originally started, um, we know that everybody is unique and we actually didn't provide the six groups of health types. We just said, hey, this is your profile, now follow it. Um, as we found the education of it, exactly as you said, it was the models that most people are used, used to. It's much easier to explain six types than it is seven billion, but it's really important to know that within the health types, there's so much variation. So one of the names for a health type, your health type, for example, Max, is a diplomat. There's a huge amount of uh, Max, a huge amount of variation in diplomats, for example. Like they can look like The Rock and end up looking like Nicole Kidman. Like that's how much variation can be in a health type, for example. So I just wanted to say that everybody is unique. And even though I'm about to talk about six types, um, what these six types represent is that there are people that are similar in the way that their body works. And if there's enough similarity, then they'll end up somewhere close on the 360 degree circle, which is related to embryological development. And then they get clumped into these, these six groups. So these, um, I'll give you a couple of examples of how, how they might show up at the workplace to, to, to give you the, the best sort of vision of them. We have an activator. Activators, as we mentioned, they, they're the dominant mesodermic bodies, so they're, <clears throat> they're um, a little bit more a little bit more sensitive to testosterone. They've actually got a greater adrenaline release 
uh, for any given stress response. So if you've got a stress that comes up at work, these people will be like, right, let's do something. Like they'll be right into action. They won't want to think about it. They'll just want to take action. They do first think later because their response of adrenaline and testosterone is higher. Uh, what we also know about the way that their body forms is that they're a little bit shorter. They're quite athletic. They've got a lighter body, like towards the lighter end. And uh, what happens when you're running on adrenaline all day long, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, you get hangry. Your body needs plenty of food coming in. And so they need to be eating six meals per day. And what that six meal, what those six meals do is it actually reduces their adrenaline because you can't be in an adrenal state when you're eating because it calms you down and that gives them their little break. Otherwise, they'd be running on adrenaline all day and they burn out. And often we find that if they're not eating enough, they do burn out. This is a big problem for them. Uh, but we also know that their body responds better to high intensity interval training and they're more of an early bird. Uh, and because of the way their adrenaline and testosterone works, they can be a little bit more short, sharp and direct and, and quite competitive, sometimes aggressive. And so now we've got this picture of a person who loves turning up to work in the morning like have already done their exercise, have already had their breakfast, have already knocked off some of their jobs before anybody else is getting there at eight o'clock. They absolutely love it. And they are on fire for the morning. They want to change the world, change everything. They love variety because that, that variety creates adrenaline as well for them, which they're searching for. And then come the afternoon, they start pittering out because their cortisol levels naturally die down. They're early birds and they start getting a little bit more tired in the afternoon. They start becoming more direct. The less patient they are or the less, the less energy they have, the less patient they become. Um, and so they need to move more. They actually need to stimulate their body with movement in the afternoon to feel better. So that's one health type. And I'm sure that you know somebody like that. They're a little bit competitive. They're just real go-getters. They love the dynamic change. Um, then you have a very different body to that. And it's the body that is the heaviest body. And when I mean heaviest, I mean, they've got the most muscle tissue. They've got the most bone mass. They can also store the most fat mass as well. They're called guardians. And they have more prolactin. Prolactin makes you grow. It makes you, uh, it makes you conserve energy. They have more IGF-1, which is also a growth hormone. Uh, they have more, they're more prone to insulin resistance. And so what we see here is not a body that's running on adrenaline. We have a body that's running on prolactin, uh, for, for lack of a better expression. And what we see with that is prolactin is a very selfless hormone. It makes you selfless. It actually supports you in making breast milk. And the way that it happens is, I feed my child, prolactin then provides more milk for my child. Before I even nourish myself, there's more milk being created so that I can provide for the child again, even though this child is just going to make a mess everywhere and make me clean up after them and not do anything for themselves. It's like the ultimate act of selflessness is breastfeeding, and it's driven by prolactin. But guys and girls have prolactin, and these bodies have a little bit more of that. So this makes them incredibly family-oriented, it makes them very nurturing and very protective. So instead of being competitive and fiery, they're protective and nurturing. And they also like stability of the team. They like the team all being together. They like staying with the team. They commit like family. And so they are the type of person that will be in your workplace for years and years and years doing a job like a clerical position or an administration position, or they can obviously be, be technical leaders as well but they are incredibly committed to the people, to the cause. And they've got a, a bigger, stronger body. They do well with 
two to three meals per day, not six meals per day, because they just don't need the same amount of input of, 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 of meals because they don't work on adrenaline. They work in a much calmer, steadier place of, uh, uh, appreciation for people and nurturing for people. And so with this body, we have someone who's incredibly socially oriented because of their hormones, wanting everyone to be okay. They eat less frequently because they just don't need as much food. If they're going to move, they should be moving for maybe an hour or two, just doing some slow, steady stuff or doing some heavy weights, not necessarily the high intensity circuits that the, uh, the activator needs. Um, and when it comes to the, their security in their job, you'll find that the, the activators, the adrenaline type, they change their roles quite a bit. And you might get a, a year or two out of them before they change and get bored unless you can lead them well. And that's what we support people with. But these individuals, they just want stability. They just want to know that their family and their people are safe, that there's consistent stuff happening in their life. That stability means that their family's going to be okay, it means that they can protect them easily means that everything's in the right place. And so they have a very, very different mentality at work as to how they interact and where they see value. And they're the type of person that doesn't want a bonus structure. They just want a nice steady salary. And then if they get a bonus, happy days, but they like the idea of consistency, whereas the activator most definitely wants a month-by-month challenge for their sales targets and various things like that too. So even the way that you recruit, the way that you remunerate, a lot of this stuff is going to be changing to really match a person's natural biology to, to help them get the most out of themselves and feel like they're in an environment that, that matches who they are. There's another four health types, but I won't, I won't go through all the details on those today. Those two give you a good summary of what's going on. No, thank you for sharing that because it starts, for me, it started to put it in perspective and start to understand the interplay between the two. And I would say, you know, one of my favorite things that I've learned, and I think everybody's that goes through your program is a little different, but just looking at the food list, like it lists out, you can, you can search any type food type, meaning vegetables, fruits, grains, meats, nuts, seafood, whatever. And it will give you what's excellent for you and what you need to avoid. And just by, I've been scanning that. And when I see food that's excellent, like I'm a little bit more all in. And I mean, just the little tweaks that uh, I've been making, I feel like have made a, uh, difference. Um, so there's a lot of tools. That's one of my favorite ones. There's a lot that they share. Um, there's, uh, you know, from, a, a, you know, the share stuff about um, food, uh, you know, fitness, lifestyle, and, and there's a dashboard that talks about, you know, when you should eat. So um, what I'm super interested in, as you, every time I talk to you, Dr. Cam, you're so passionate about this. Uh, how, I mean, is do you think that you are is this your life's purpose? Because it feels like every time I talk to you, like you love talking about this. And in my mind, I'm like, he's probably so sick of having to tell everybody what's so easy in his head to explain. Uh, but talk a little bit about, you know, you personally, like, what is it? You know, how much do you enjoy this? Like, is this your life's purpose? Um, you know, you, you before we got into the this call, you said you're really looking forward to traveling to Singapore. I assume it was for a conference to continue to talk about the, your life's work and the work that you're doing. But tell me personally how gratifying this work is for you. Uh, that's a great question. And uh, on every level of, of, of what I feel is, is aligned with me, this, this work is exactly that. I, and, and exactly what you said, I, I genuinely feel like I have a a couple of very clear purposes on the planet. And, and one of them is 
really making sure that people understand that we're different, one size doesn't fit all, and there are things that we can do about it to really make our life great. Uh, the second is, um, and not in any particular order, I, I realize after I say this, but um, like just making sure my kids are in a great space, but the two worlds are exactly aligned. And so personally, you know, this work allows me to turn up and be energized. And even in our workplace, we only recruit people based on their biological purpose and their natural strengths and passion. And we put them into a role, we create a role that is specific to them. Um, so we can get the most out of that person. And that's very much the role that I'm in right now. I get to do things like this. I get to talk to a lot of people about this information. And, and really, like as I was going through that explanation, even though it's probably the 17,000th time I've spoken about the activator and the guardian in that way, it's, um, it, it excites me nonetheless for people, like people to learn about this because once they, they get it, it's, oh, I am genuinely different. And there are real strengths to this person who's really fiery. There's real strengths to this person who's a little bit steadier and slower and, but they're incredibly nurturing and I can really lean on them. Like there is, such a power in understanding uh, who we are as people. I've had huge insights into myself, um, you know, in every aspect of my life, I've been able to enhance my relationships and navigate them better. And um, so that's been really, really powerful. But even, you know, I'll share a story with you yesterday. My son is a connector. Connectors are, um, we can measure children from two years in RP7 in year two at school. And he, like connectors are, they're oxytocin dominant. So they like lots of trust and connection all of the time. They just want to make sure that they're connecting with people. They just want to make sure that they are the center of attention that actually makes, that fills their cup to know that people are, are paying attention to them because that's all about, I have the trust of people around me and they're very active. They like to move lots. They don't have a focus that's particularly long because they, like to stay agile so that they're ready for the next person. And the, the report came back from school in mid, midway through term one of, oh, uh, this Alistair, he can't, um, he's not focusing, he's distracting the other kids, he's shouting out answers when it's not his turn. Like all of these things that are typical connector traits based on like, I want the attention, I want people to know that I'm here, I want to feel trust with all of my, so like all of these behaviors are exactly as I would expect from my little connector sitting in a classroom with a monotone teacher um, that's exactly how his biology is going to respond. And he gets told, oh, look, this is an acceptable behavior. And I was able to educate the, the teacher, which is what we do through the parenting course and the personalized learning. I said, look, this is his biology. This is how he responds to this environment. These are his strengths. The fact that he's wanting to shout out answers, the fact that he wants to connect with kids, this is what makes him a great person because he's so great at connecting with individuals and making them feel special and I was able to help her see that the traits that he's showing are actually strengths, not weaknesses. It's just that in a classroom setting, they can be seen as weaknesses because people have a frame that the person who sits down the front and does nothing, or does you know, just does their work is the is the is the well behaved person. And so, uh, midway through term two, he's now being, uh, you know, the, the teacher really was incredibly receptive, took on the advice. Um, created an incredible bond with with Al just by recognizing him, seeing him and hearing him, which is exactly what happens in the workplace as well. When you truly understand someone and can see and hear them, they feel more comfortable, they feel more trust with you. And now he's being recognized at the headmaster's assembly. He's got a number of golden tickets, which are like hen's teeth. They're really valuable little rewards that they get. 
Like to be able to have that impact on my on my son's life, and to know that we're doing that work with schools and with organisations where they can start to realise who they are, the traits that they have are actually strengths, and when those strengths are recognised, they can feel comfortable in being themselves. Like that, that is what it's all about. Like just. Imagine turning up to work where people are so comfortable with themselves because they're supported to be themselves, where you know you, you know them, and you know what makes each other feel great, and you act on that to do something about it to uplift people. Like That's what it's about. Then, of course, you can get into better performance and you know greater work productivity and better health and reversing diabetes, reversing heart disease, which we're doing in research trials right now. Like All of that stuff is great, but for me, it's just that um, that understanding that we can truly understand the people around us because everything, when, you co- when it comes to business, everything is relationships. And if you know people, and this is a way that you can know yourself and people in a, in a much deeper way, then you know it, there's really no limits to what, what can be achieved by you, but also by us as a collective. So yeah, I would say I'm a little bit passionate about it. I would definitely say that it feels <laughs> Man, incredibly, a, it feels incredibly purposeful. Yeah, a great example. My one of my best friends growing up, his name's Alistair too, and he's an absolute stud. Do you ever feel like this is kind of uh, on the lighter side? But do you ever feel like you know too much? For example, when I had to ask you, and I thought you might food list, and we were starting our little our coaching uh, arrangement, and I was like, hey, is beer good for me or not? And you kind of was like, nah, it's not that great for you. Do you ever feel like you know too much to where like sometimes it's hard to just kind of let go and like do something without knowing that it might not be the best thing for you to do? No, I think I think you don't. You go through a phase of that um, where uh, where you say, "Oh yeah, I've got to be like I can't do that. I'm only allowed two to three beers per week." It says on my profile or whatever. Other people, it's none. Um, the you know, it, it's one of those things where you get informed. Like I now know exactly what's going to put my body into the best state. I know how to get my best sleep, how to wake up, how to be most productive, like how to plan my day, the timing of things. I'm really clear on that. And so if I, and I know that if I go out and have, you know, a, a few social drinks, if I have more than four, it, the fifth one, I'll be out of whack for the next 36 hours. I know it. Like it's just the way that my body works. And so what it's done is it's empowered me to have more choice about how I want to behave. Um, knowing that there'll be some times where, you know, you, you have a rubber arm and it gets twisted and all of a sudden you've had your fifth beer or whatever it may be. And I might be talking quite low numbers, but I've, I've definitely dialed in the appropriate amounts for me. Um, the, you know, I do it knowingly. And so um, I'm aware some people really like to stick to it. And I know that some people that follow the protocol, if they de- deviate off it, they just feel so bad that they don't want to deviate. They just want to feel good all of the time. That's definitely the feeling that I'm chasing, like clear, productive mind. And I know that I can create that with the profile that I've got. And if I deviate away from it, it's with a knowing now. So I guess it 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 allows me to prepare for what may come. And I, I'm very conscious of the consequences. So uh, I think that's probably the best way to answer it. Like I, I, um, very initially I was incredibly strict about it all, but now, you know, it's been a good few years of, of really being in great health and, and feeling really good all of the time. Um, so I, you know, the odd weekend here and there, it's, it's no big deal. And, and the social fun of it is, is definitely worth it. Cause you, we don't always get those times anymore based on the last couple of years of travel. Oh yeah. Oh Yeah. Well, in this show, I'm, I didn't share this with you, but on what we've been doing at the uh, as a final segment in our podcast, 
is we have a leadership model for hiring. And we believe the best leaders on earth um, are relentless learners. They develop other people and they drive results. And without question, just in this conversation, which, by the way, I, there's so many more questions that I have, but I'm going to start wrapping it up um, just for time uh, purposes. Lucky for me, I probably have more access uh, to you uh, in the future here. But so I want to ask a question from each one of these, uh, you know, kind of one of each be uh, sure. We call them elevated behavior. So from a relentless learning standpoint, uh, who or what was your biggest teacher? Uh, relentless learning would be firstly uh, my, my biology is is dopamine dominant i have a, a a natural tendency to want to chase as much information as possible um that's just the way that my brain works from a, a personal development point of view i would say my, my current my global ceo is uh, an incredibly insightful man and has really shown me a lot of ways that i can navigate my brain is incredibly proficient with this information and how you can support so He's been an incredible influence in that sense in really honing those skills. It was already something that was naturally there, but he, he was really able to help me, you know, go in the right direction with it. And uh, so, yeah, he's been, he's been a really incredible influence, Matt Raymond. Awesome. Awesome. Well, that's, uh, that's incredible to hear. What, what motivates you to develop other people or help other people? There's a, um, there's a really deep feeling like, well, firstly, it's yeah, a feeling that I just want them to get it. You know, there's a, that, that, that's the best way that I can summarize it. Um, but then from experience, I've seen thousands of clients individually myself over my career and uh, worked with a whole lot of different people from different organizations. And when they can come back and express like this one thing has changed everything about how I look at myself, that that is easily the most powerful thing. In fact, I had... One, the first experience of that, I was working in hospital. Um, I was doing an outpatient weight loss clinic and I helped one person. I saw them one time and they came back six months later and he said, I've lost 20 kilos. You have changed my life. And I went home that day thinking I could retire knowing that I've significantly impacted somebody's life in a really meaningful way because of the way that he spoke about it, just the way that his whole mindset shifted. Um that feeling, and that's been multiplied now countless times with the work that we've been doing. Um, that feeling is 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 everything. That's um that's the thing that really really gets me up in the morning. I love it. I love it. Is there one? And this this is kind of goes to the driving results. And you just actually talked about a result that obviously was incredible. But is there what do you, what would you say your biggest success to date is? And it could be professional, it could be personal, it could be anything. But when you think about that, what is your biggest success to date? I, I definitely, I definitely know that uh, being aware of this information, I had some real shortcomings in how I manage relationships, um, and like the way that my brain is set up, it's very efficiency-driven, productive-driven, and sometimes I can be less empathetic. Probably my personally for me, I would say the biggest result has just been the relationship with my kids. They are the opposite side of the circle to me. They are incredibly feeling based. They're not about efficiency and productivity and they're just about fun and engagement and, and trust and getting myself to where I can naturally be with them in their state. That for me has been a huge evolution because there are so many un unconscious biases that we have. Um, so that would be one. And then Two would be, um, oh, there's, there've been some, um, probably the body of work that we've developed in 
in in the corporate space has been incredibly powerful like we've we've been through a whole lot of organizations now just our top to tail of how we can take leaders and staff on a journey uh, to really understand themselves and the change that can occur those that that body of work um, has been amazing it's constantly tweaking constantly improving uh, but it's been just a huge effort of making that happen so those two things professional and personal Oh man, I love it. I love it. And I think, uh, obviously you guys been at this for a while, but for me and, and from my perspective, uh, as a leader and working with a lot of, you know, corporate leaders, I think now more than ever, everybody's realizing that, um, you know, we really need to take care of our team inside and outside of work. And, you know, it with on the health side and wellness side and, and mental side. So I think the work you guys are doing is amazing. How do I, what's the best way for our listeners and audience to get a hold of you? I know, uh, is it SheaWellness.com? S-H-A-E-Wellness.com. Is that the best website to get a hold of you guys? Yep. And forward slash pulse dash check. So, um, just with SheaWellness.com, there'll be a, there'll be a link there for the pulse check. But if you can go to forward slash pulse dash check, um, that will essentially just allow you to connect with, uh, with one of our team and understand how it can align for you, whether it be, individual as a as a leader and whether you're wanting some executive coaching right through to whole organization rollout and really understanding what this can do at a at an organizational level. Awesome. Well man, like always, uh I have enjoyed our conversation immensely. Um I'm gonna bring it to a close, but I want to thank you for your time. Uh, again, like you've spent now at this point, I think you've been on the phone for many hours uh and I appreciate all of it. Uh, so thank you very much. You've been listening to the Built on Purpose podcast with Max Hansen brought to you by Y Scouts. You can find all of our past and future podcasts at YScouts.com. Thanks a lot, Dr. Cam. Thank you, Max. So appreciated. Thanks for listening to the Built on Purpose podcast, where on each episode, we interview exceptional leaders, entrepreneurs, authors, philosophers, and some straight up interesting people to explore their outlook on life, work, and leadership. You can hear any of our previous shows 24-7 wherever you get your podcasts.